the In Conversation podcast series with author Nigel Beckles. Welcome to the podcast. podcast. Please like the podcast, podcast. and subscribe podcast. to this channel. Podcast. Thank you. Podcast. Have you experienced several failed relationships or been through a divorce? How can you avoid making the same mistakes again? How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes is out now. Hi, my name is Nigel Beckles. My new book is packed with practical and common sense strategies that you can use to make better relationship choices. Now you can discover the dangerous myths about love. If your relationship expectations are realistic, why you could be falling in love for all the wrong reasons. How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes. It's a book that could change your life. Available from Amazon.co.uk. Kindle version also available. The very best way to promote your podcasts. Podpage makes it easy to create a podcast website with just a few clicks. Every page is optimized to be found on Google and it stays up to date forever. For more information visit podpage.com. The future of podcast promotion. Get ready for takeoff. The Exposing the Narcissist in Relationships podcast series with Marcia Hilton and Nigel Beckles. Episode 2. However, narcissists can also recruit what they call flying monkeys to abuse the survivor by proxy. Computer, what are flying monkeys? Engage. Flying monkeys is a term used in popular psychology mainly in the context of narcissistic abuse. Flying monkeys are also known as the entourage, accomplices, enablers, campaign managers, or extensions of the narcissist. A narcissist will recruit sometimes unsuspecting people to spy on or abuse a former partner by proxy. There are people who act as flying monkeys consciously on behalf of a narcissist. This is usually for abusive purposes. For example, a smear campaign can often be used. A smear campaign involves deliberately spreading untrue rumors, gossip, or lies, seeking to damage the reputation of the ex-partner. Well, I've actually experienced flying monkeys and they're very good friends of mine. They just didn't know they were being played, basically. The ex-narcissist contacted them and said she was concerned about me. However, I had broken contact. I'd gone no contact for. So there would be no reason for her to be concerned because she didn't have any contact with me. Flying monkeys can cause a lot of damage as well. I mean, some of them are consciously abusive. Others are manipulated. Obviously, there's a thing called the, the smear campaign, which we'll get into a bit later, uh, where they will seek to ruin a person's reputation. Yeah, and you know, in my experience, the flying monkeys have had clearly had no idea that they <laughs> were being manipulated. I think mm. they were well-meaning. Mm. However, you know, when I think about some of the situations for myself, once you you know, once you've been armed with the information, you you can tell they will come and, and ask you things and and you know straight away that they're going to take it back because especially in my case, for example, I've not had any contact. I'd I'd gone no contact with my ex for almost over a year and the you know and I thought you know with the flying monkey I just got a text out of the blue from the flying monkey um, and I knew straight away that there was something behind it and I think they wanted to give me information and to ask me things and I do believe personally that that was a, a heat test to see whether I would bite but I didn't and I think and I had to actually say to the you know to the person please don't speak to me about about my ex I don't want to actually have any 
I don't have to have any conversations about that with you. So please don't bring it to me, basically. And so I had to kind of cut that conversation and ask my friends not, not to talk about him with me and just leave it at that because I knew that he was using them to, to get to me. The other thing, actually, slightly different social media and using the social media and other people's on Fly Monkeys accounts to spy on mine as well. Well, they are known to spy. They're also known to stalk ex-partners. But the Flying Monkeys are often a product of the smear campaign because they will spread rumours and gossip about you to basically try and diminish your character and make themselves look like the poor, helpless victim when, it, when in fact, it's the uh, other way around. Uh, but then going back to the narcissistic relationship cycle, when they are going through the idealization, devalue, then discard stage. During the devaluation and discard, they're already looking for a new supply and have already found a new supply by the time the discard comes around. All of their relationships go through the same cycle, as you know. And as we were discussing earlier, that relationship cycle can be very traumatic. It will be because in the beginning, in the idealization stage, you know, you think that you have met your soulmate. You're on cloud nine. You know, this person, you know, in that in that idealization state has, has put you on a pedestal. You can do no wrong. They tell you that they, they love you. You really think at this stage that this is it. This is your soulmate. And everybody around you as well think you're an amazing couple. And everybody thinks that, you know, your partner is wonderful. And then you move into the devaluation stage and you think, what's happened? But because you're already bonded and you're in the devaluation stage, you're trying to play catch up all the time. You're wanting to get back to that place where you were when you were being idealised. And suddenly you're not there anymore and you're not understanding what's happening. And all of a sudden this, this person is disapproving and you can't understand why. So you keep trying, you keep trying to get back to that place where it was all perfect, but it's just not happening. And the more, more and more they will, will say and do things to demean you and diminish you. And like you said, um, Nigel, at, by this stage, they are most likely grooming somebody else and preparing them. And by the time you get to the devalue, the, the discard stage, they're ready to, to move on. They've secured the person that they've been grooming and they're ready to put you to one side or put you in the bin, discard. I really hate that term, actually, discard, because it sounds like you're just a piece of rubbish that you just pop into the bin. Well, a lot of people don't like the term, but effectively that is what's happened. Because, as I said before, <laughs> narcissists treat people like objects. So an object can be discarded. It's not a very pleasant experience, having been there myself. Yeah, I, I mean, and I have. For me, that term kind of so, I don't know, dehumanises us. I don't even like the term victim, you know, but we are when, when that happens to us, you know, or the target. But, you know, it's for me, it's like I would, I, would, I think I, I prefer to say disengagement rather than discard because they, the discard, more often than not, is not permanent, is it? They will usually try and hoover when the new supply hasn't worked out for one hmm. reason or another, or they can't get any narcissistic supply anywhere else in the form of sex and attention. And that's always going to happen, isn't it? Because of the cycle of abuse. Hmm. They just do that over and over. It's like rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. 
And it's a bit like a child. You use a child that's just had their birthday and they've got some new toys. Lovely, and they play with this new toy. And then maybe a few months down the line or a year down the line, they get another new toy. So the one that they wonderful was the best toy in the world. That gets, like you say, maybe discarded or put on a shelf. For, you know, and while they're enjoying themselves with the new toy that they've got. But eventually they'll remember that they've got this old toy stuck on a shelf somewhere and they'll pull it down eventually, blow off the dust and play with that and then throw it down again. Some of them do get put in the bin completely, never to be seen again. It really depends on what's happening. depends on the individual narcissist, really. And it also depends what's happening in their life because... If the new relationship or the new supply has not worked out, then they're going to be looking for other supplies. So you can never say never. I always say, well, a hoover could happen after two months, two years, 15 years. I've read stories of of narcissists trying to hoover up their former partner over 20 years later. Well, that happened to me 15 years. (laughs) 15 years, that's what happens. And then 15 years later, he popped up again. <laughs> At the end of the day, the, the whole trauma bonding can make it very difficult to resist the Hoover. Computer, what is trauma bonding? Engage. Trauma bonding refers to a state of being emotionally attached to an ex partner or another person who was abusive. It is a very negative form of bonding that can keep a person loyal to a destructive person or relationship. The abuser uses cycles of abuse, and then some form of reward or act of kindness, to keep a person engaged emotionally and psychologically. Trauma bonding is a biochemical addiction to an abuser. Which is why a lot of people struggle to remain no contact, which is the best thing for you to do with any type of abuser. I did struggle initially, and I think part of that was wanting to to get answers, not understanding, because the other thing as well is that they're not going to give you closure. But if everything is just up in the air, very confusing. If he'd said to me, that's it, we're done, we're finished, we're over. I think I would have accepted that, even though I'd have been upset still. But when you're not clear, you don't know what's going on. Are we together? Are we not? What's what's happening? In my case, it was, oh, let's revisit. Because it happened so quickly as well. There's no warning. And I think that's why people are blindsided, because it's happened out of the blue it's something that you weren't expecting to happen would you agree oh absolutely that was certainly my experience that was certainly my experience more than once apart from trauma bonding victims can also suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder computer what is ptsd engage symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder ptsd for short a person suffering with ptsd often relives a traumatic event They may have problems sleeping, have difficulties concentrating or may experience nightmares, flashbacks, and other negative symptoms including feelings of isolation, irritability or guilt. These and other symptoms are often severe and persistent enough to have a significant impact on the person's day-to-day life. Having a condition like PTSD can be very taxing on the human body. Recent research published in the Journal of the American Medical Association has confirmed that PTSD, is linked to autoimmune diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, Crohn's disease, and celiac disease. PTSD can be very serious, something that victims and survivors of abusive relationships suffer. And also many people are diagnosed with very painful chronic autoimmune disorders. People can also suffer with triggers when an event reminds them of the abuser. So that could be a smell, a picture, 
or various other triggers that can be emotionally distressing, which is why no contact is so important because the longer you go no contact, hopefully the quicker you're going to heal. So no contact Mm. means no stalking on social media, no walking past their residence. Some people misinterpret what no contact means, but no contact means no contact. So what was your experience of going no contact? Bearing in mind you were involved with the ex-narcissist twice. It was very, very difficult, I must admit. Initially, I, I didn't know that I needed to go no contact. I was calling. He would speak to me, but it was very cold. Um, but then when I had done the reading and realised what he was and understood that the best thing for me would be to go no contact, I did. There were times when I had to sit on my hands because I really wanted to call. But I had to overcome that because I knew that that would be the best thing for me in terms of recovery, because I knew that I didn't want to go back to to that once I understood what he was. And I'm not going to lie, I struggled with the no contact. The information, being being forearmed, helped me with the no contact, but it was difficult. Well, unfortunately, not everyone has the option to go no contact, full no contact, because they may co-parent the ex-narcissist. So there is another method um, I've heard of. Computer, what is the Grey Rock Method? Engage. The Grey Rock Method is a practice where an individual becomes emotionally non-responsive, boring, and virtually acts like a rock. Emotional detachment serves to undermine a narcissist's attempts to manipulate. This causes the narcissist to grow uninterested and bored. The Grey Rock Method takes away what the narcissist needs and desires most, the craving for attention. And there's also something called the yellow rock method, where if you have to deal with the court system in terms of parenting, you keep your correspondence, you know, very civil, very polite, because obviously the abuser and the court officials are going to be reading what you put in writing and they may try and use that information against you, especially if you appear to be vindictive or angry, you know, they can try and use those things against you. And understandably a person is angry when they've been abused and obviously a narcissist will try and use the children often as a weapon against the other parent that's interesting actually because i I knew of that but i didn't know the term yellow rock so i've learned something today so what do you feel helped you most with your recovery and healing i think the thing that helped me the most was understanding it was the information it was knowing that I wasn't at fault it was knowing that it wasn't me understanding that I didn't do anything wrong I think was a big help for me the other thing that helped in in my recovery was having a really strong support network my faith actually was another thing that helped me with my recovery and just doing the inner work understanding for myself that there must have been things about me that drew that to me. And it, for me, it was kind of looking at how can I not allow that to happen again? So it was looking at things like the boundaries, making sure that I had tighter boundaries, looking at my values and, and all of those things, I think, helped me with my recovery. Well, I think from many survivors, the thing that helps them the most is actually doing their own research. Because I know certainly for myself, 
I was a researching demon when it came to narcissists, trying to work out what had happened. And as you said, trying to make sure it doesn't happen not only to me, but to anyone else again. Because as you said before, some people don't make it through the other side. If you suspect you are in a relationship with a narcissist, do your own research. There is plenty of great information online. Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe. Another In Conversation podcast coming soon.